tell you, it's Leon B up here. Hi, I'm Amanda Addy. I'm Femi Bancole. My name is Bonnie O'Demanet. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. This podcast is, is about us getting into the nitty-gritty of what it's like growing up as a black and Irish person, growing up with, with a different skin tone in Ireland. Telling the stories, sharing experiences, highlighting racism, pretty much just playing a part in like trying to integrate the black Irish community into the wider Irish society. A weekly chat where we talk about all things race. It's just, you know, bringing someone fascinating on, get them to share the story, in their own words, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. A lot of these stories were either experienced by us or they stayed within the community. So we wanted to create a platform where these stories can be shared. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. Hey guys, my name is Bonnie O'Demanem. I'm 25 years old and I'm from South Dublin. I'm the first ever Black Student Union President from the DIT Students Union. I'm a law graduate from DIT. I did my master's in the UK, and that is where I currently live at the moment. So today on the podcast, I'm going to be speaking to Ben Butler. Ben is a man from Dublin. He is a father. He's a mixed race person from Ireland. Why we're going to be speaking to Ben today is because Ben actually reached out to the Black and Irish page. When Ben decided to share his story with us, it really was breathtaking. Ben is the son of an Irish father and a Trinidadian mother. He grew up feeling some form of resentment towards people of colour and black people in Ireland. He had a resentment towards people who basically looked like him. We want to know more about what it was like for him growing up in 1980s Ireland and how he overcame that and now is looking to play his part in making our Ireland far more welcoming and hospitable for all of us. My dad is from Bowlane, just off James Street. So he's inner city, Dublin. And then my mom, she's from Trinidad. She's been in Ireland since 1978. Growing up in there and walking down and having your mom very involved in, in the local community at that time mm. in Ireland, did you ever notice anything different? Did you ever, did she ever tell you any stories or just in general, what was it like um, having a white father and the black mother? I knew no different, as in personally, I grew up as white, as in everyone around me was white, except uh, my older brother and younger sister. Like the three of us were mixed race. My mom was black. My mom was always involved in the school, but I asked her that um, a few months back as to why she was always involved in school. But she said she needed to be involved in school as an extra way of making sure that we were involved and that she could, yeah, she could keep an eye on things, but also that she could... Mm see if we were being excluded or to see that we were being involved and being asked to be involved and not to be excluded from anything. Because even like swimming was my sport. My brother's sport was GAA. She was involved in that and bringing everyone to Quote Park and everything like that. So she was always around. That I can remember there was no other mixed race kids in the school or anyone else that wasn't white besides myself, my brother and my sister. I know that for myself, like me, when I was growing up myself in, in South Dublin, I personally kind of didn't know that I was any different to any of the kids until like one of the kids would have pointed out through a, a crude joke or whatever. But was there was there like a moment in your past when you, I don't know if you call it a light bulb moment, but when you actually started to realise that 
maybe I'm a bit different or my background's a bit different compared to the rest of the students. Like, was there well, any type of moment in your memory? That- well, there was, a, um, sorry, there was one moment that still stands out when I was about eight or nine and it was in Donabate and there was a girl, I still remember her name, she had glasses and she called me Brown Bread. Right. Like, that's stu- that stuck in my mind. I was like, why she called me Brown Bread? Like, my cousin, she had to, it was like, oh, just remember, like, brown bread is better than white bread. And it's just as good for you. Uh, it's just, it's it's still bread. As in playing it down, like, looking mm. back now, it was playing it down. But then that's was the start of me starting to be like, well, maybe I am different. As in looking back, I cannot say for certain what it was that stuck out or a light bulb moment, as you said. It was just more of a, hang on a second, I'm different. You know, one of the reasons why we wanted to have a chat with you was to, it was because of the story, your story that you shared with us on the Black and Irish Instagram page. Yeah. And there was two parts of that story which really hit home um, for mm-hmm. a lot of people, but it was also very, very um, compelling. So I just want to read really briefly one piece you said in, in your story. Growing up, I remember my own attitude towards people of colour was negative. I didn't want my sister to date a person of colour. I had anger towards social welfare recipients of colour and I honestly cannot explain where it came from, but I know it was there. Maybe the media or maybe the community installed that outlook I had. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Because I found that so powerful when I first read it. Growing up, the only way of seeing society as as a... I wasn't one for reading the newspaper, so I only really had TV. So then having TV back then, there was no one that looked like me on TV. I remember the first black person on TV that I can remember. I'm not sure if it was Andy Peters. And then I was seeing the news with Trevor McDonald. And I remember my mom watching Desmond. That was on Channel 4. They're the three programs yeah. where I can distinctly remember people of color on it. Other than that, I used to do the, I can remember in primary school, you know, picking someone who's going to start chasing, which was the eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And it wasn't a tiger you caught by the toe. Um... It was, you know, the okay. N-word, which still, I can't say that word. As in, personally, I can't say that word. Other people I know have, you know, I didn't have friends who were mixed race. I didn't, like, there was a, one guy on the football team when I did play football. He was mixed. And then in secondary school, there was a guy two years ahead of me, and he was mixed. But I didn't know he was mixed um, until after I finished secondary school. But that was the, the small circle of people like me that I can remember seeing. And that's where, like, my image was, sorry, there was no black people in the media, so it, it's not as if it could be positive or negative. Even in movies and that, um, I can't recall any black person in a movie standing out in a positive way. I think I can remember Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. That's like <laughs> one of the oldest movies I can remember of a black person in it. But other than that, it was all just white people. And that was that was my upbringing in relation to seeing people who looked like me. The thing then there was choker boxes. And um, I can recall people making jokes of black babies. That's the money for the black babies and laughing. At some point in childhood, I locked that away because I didn't understand why they were putting down people of color because they needed a handout. 
And I'm not sure if that could have then led to my internalized resentment of someone who, whether refugee or anything, in my head was like, they're coming to this country and they're getting handout. And I remember taking a moment to be like, well, where is this, what, where is this hatred that I have coming toward? As in, it's not my money, but it was just mm. that people are making comments of they're taking everything. They come over here and they get houses. They get everything handed to them. And even to this day, there's still people that you hear have these conversations as if it's normal to have these and that that you're just handed things to them. And then I have to check people, especially when the conversation is around my kids. I was like, that's not appropriate, as in it's not factual. And it's also not appropriate that my kids are listening to this because I remember what it was yeah. like to under hear things and understand things. As in my kids are quarter black. My son calls and referred to himself as peach because he's a lighter shade than his sister would be. And <laughs> as in they're twins and like, she's like, I'm brown, just like you, daddy. Then Jacob, sorry, my son Jacob's like, oh, but why am I dye brown? It's like, well, you are when you get the sun. As in, even to them, they don't see race. They don't seem to comprehend color or that aspect of things. For me, I think I was 15 or so when there was a, a larger increase of refugees coming in. And then I was just going to um, a shop on Dane Street and something was um, 50, 50 pence. No, 50 cent. I think euro was in at this stage. And like, oh, and that's 50 cent. I was like, okay. And they're like, no, 50 cent. I was like, oh, no, I understand you. And it, that is when I felt I was starting to be treated differently. Um, up to that point, okay. I was just, you know, I had my friends. There's nothing ever different. I wasn't called, oh, you know, the black kid or I was just Ben. But it was only then that all of a sudden my antenna was like, oh, I am actually being treated differently. But it was all those small things that led to me, what's the word? That, that led to my led to my internalized hatred for they don't work. I've always had to prove how I'm Irish. As in, it'd be like, oh, where are you from? I was like, oh, Walkinstown. I was like, yeah, but where are you really from? Not where you live. I was like, no, I'm from Walkinstown. I was born here. And then having an argument with someone in a pub in town who was like, oh, where were you, where were you born? I was like, I was born in James Hospital. I was like, no, you weren't. I was like, yes, I was. And she's like, no, you weren't. I was like, I was. It's on my birth cert. It's on my sibling's birth cert. Um, I think I know where I'm from, but in her head, James St. James Hospital doesn't have a maternity board, but it did in 1983 up until 85 or 86. And because I always felt I was different, it's very difficult to articulate where that stemmed yeah. from because I didn't, because it does such a negative connection to these people, I didn't want to then be associated. So that could be why it was negative. Because I was always fighting to be Irish. Okay. I was fighting to be, to prove I was accepted in Irish society. Well, I still am. When did you overcome those feelings and how did you do so? I overcame the feelings was when, I think maturity gave it. Um, yeah, when I started working in, where was it? Topman, back in 2002. My sister worked in Miss Selfridge. There was a black girl who worked there called Danielle. And she was the first black girl that I actually 
spoke to um, that wasn't a relation of mine, from, like gone back to Trinidad. Yeah, and then she introduced me to another girl who was mixed away, who she lived with, called Leanne. And it was just, it was more like when I got to experience people who were like me is when I was able to remove the historic badness, so to speak, of mm. of having this idea that there was something wrong with people who aren't from Ireland or are from Ireland and don't look like they're from Ireland. It was more like a projection of myself. That's amazing how you were able to reach from point A to where you are at the moment. And you said that you're, you're a father now. And with, with that in mind, what are your hopes for Ireland moving forward? Mostly, I feel Ireland has come a long way from the ways of the past. As in, I am still asked, but not as often as in the, where you're really from. My kids are mixed, but they've never been asked where they're from. And I like they don't ask where other people are from. I don't bring it up in conversation to ask someone where they're from because where someone's from is not who they are. It might be part of, it's a small part of who they are, but it's not in the essence of who someone is that it's a a question that needs to be answered. I hope that, but I've seen it around town as well as like there is um, people of all nationalities, uh, teenagers of all nationalities in a group together. It's just nice to see that it's not a group of white lads walking around and a group of black lads. But I, I did see, as in WhatsApp messages of fights going to happen and it, like people being blamed. It's like, oh, well, sure, that's what happens when you have a load of black lads together. So I, I still see that's still interwoven into Irish society that a group of lads, because they're black, there's going to be trouble. But if they're white, everything's fine. When you remove colour, it's a group of lads, so there should be the same fear regardless of the colour of their skin. Today, how do you see yourself? How do you um, see your identity? And how has that played a part in your life today? In the last, say, few years in particular, um, I have worked a lot on myself in particular, like mentally since um, I had a breakup. As in, I am a single parent, but I'm also gay and I'm also black. So me being black, like I see it as it's part of who I am as I have moved on to like either if you like me great if you don't that's not my business a lot of time growing up it was about making people like me but I think now I find myself I wouldn't say empowered I've never used my colour as either a a positive or a negative as in I am black I've accepted I'm black although sometimes I forget that I am a different colour and it's, it would be like if I stopped at it, like going into a, what's in going into a club? I'm like, oh, not tonight. When I've been there multiple times, or a, a taxi driver drives by and and stops close up and picks up someone who's white. It's those things that, that still remind happens to me. you today. Yeah, um, after a few few months back, as in in July. Yeah, still like if I'm on my own, it's predominantly a black taxi man that would pick me up even though I might be walking like back before the pandemic 
it was, um, I was saying, yeah, a taxi would be the main thing that just taxis wouldn't stop. I'd have to walk up Cork Street and it would be predominantly a black taxi man that would pick me up. And it's quite rare to get a white taxi man pick me up. But, but even some of my friends speak about they won't get in a, in a taxi with a black man. And I'm now asking questions. Why is that? When before I just accept as I like, grant everyone's entitled to their opinion. But now I'm looking to fight that opinion and ask the questions as to why, because they might not even understand why. And they've just been told, oh, don't get in a taxi with a black man. As if there's going to be, it's going to be unsafe. But it's just now because I am where I am mentally, I'm now asking questions. When before I wouldn't ask questions to try and change people's perspective. Thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time to speak to us. Um, You're welcome. Thank you again for, for having me. reaching out to us and wanting to share your story because your story is a powerful one, but it's also one that is unique and one that we feel has played a part in helping change minds across this island. Thanks very much. Well, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you've really, really enjoyed that. Stay tuned because next week, Femi's going to be chatting away to Monica Blondie Perez. In the meantime, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram at black underscore and Irish. But until then, much love. Peace.